Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. This week I'm joined as normal by my cohorts Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. And tonight we're joined by special guest, a man who when he when he tweets, Twitter takes up and listens. He's never I've never seen a bad word said about him on Twitter, and he's the oracle as far as as far as the world of Twitter is concerned. A big Thank you tonight for coming on our podcast to Paul Joyce. So I'll just ask you, Paul, is you know, everybody, all fans get excited about the you know, about the transfer window. How is it for yeah. the journalist? Is it your is it your nightmare time of the of the year? Or do you look forward to it because it's a bit different? That's a good question, Les. Um in lots of ways it, it's the most um It is, it's the most difficult time of the year, I think I'd say, because obviously there's um, a determination to to get to be first because you, you want to, you know, that's what the job's about. But I think more importantly is to be, is to be right, really. And um, the difficulty with Liverpool in particular is that there's so many names come out um, when the transfer window is open, before the transfer window is open, the day the transfer window shuts, there's about five new names come out the next day. So it's trying to work out, um, you know, what is right and what is wrong, and um, you know that that's, you know, the same for all the journalists on the on the Merseyside patch. A lot of good reporters, Dominic King, Chris Bascom, Dave Maddock, Chris McKenna, um, Andy Hunter, um, you know, other ones that you know, Neil Jones, James Pearcy and Doyle. I think there's there's always a sort of determination to try and be as um every time you write something, it 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 to not to be a flyer, for want of a better word, that, that you want to sort of inform the supporters. And there's a lot, a lot of responsibility comes with that. So not ev- not everything you get, you, you get is, get you put out is right. Um, so yeah, it, it, it does become a very difficult sort of period now because transfers have become such an important, seems to become such an important facet of every supporter. That the, you know that they want a life that they want to know who the club's signing and why this player isn't signing and yeah, there's so many names that come out almost on a daily basis with Liverpool that it, it, it is it is a difficult sort of period to navigate through. Oh, just on, a, sorry, <clears throat> sorry, just as a quick question and on that on that score, um, yeah, I think in both windows June and and January you're more or less on standby, aren't you? you you know, you can't really plan anything going away because one phone call could really upset the Africa. You know, they could. I know a couple of a couple of signings Liverpool have done in the past. Like I didn't know anything about Fabino till he'd almost signed on the dotted line, and I don't know how, if the journalist got forewarned. But you must sort of you must be on centerhooks for January and and June because you yeah, know, a pretty big, much. a big name could happen. Yeah, pretty much so. I mean. Um... The Fabinho one is a good example. I think we came away from Kiev 
I remember the stories on the Monday morning were more about Alison Becker, you know, maybe coming in and Liverpool going, renewing their efforts to get get him. Obviously, that story was written on the back of what happened with with Loris Carius in the final. But yeah, the the um, the signing of Fabinho did did come out of the blue um, to an extent. I think that there's a, a lot of these names. There's always a link in the past. There's always a you know a, you can probably always find a story. You know, take McAllister for example. You could probably find a story back in October where Liverpool were mentioned alongside him um but it it it's sort of knowing when to write something that's not just the looking at a player and when it becomes something more um substantial i would say and and that that's the difficult part sort of judging that because for a lot a lot of the time clubs want to keep that sort of Secret and the Fabinho ones is a, is a very good example of that. That was sort of, um, you know, Liverpool have obviously been working on that for a long time, and they beat off a lot of lot of clubs um, to to land his signature. I think an example in of a similar example would be the release clause that's that's been made now being made sort of aware of with regarding the McAllister deal. About six weeks ago, um, we heard that there was a re- that there could be a release clause within his contract, but um, trying to get that information stood up and trying to find out the um, the exact value of the, that release clause was very very difficult. I think if you go back to the start of the week. Um, when it became apparent that Liverpool were moving, pushing ahead with McAllister. I think even in the article I wrote on Monday, I sort of, because I didn't know what the release clause was, I thought there's no point guessing. So just tell the reader that there's these different values are out there. Um, and the values that that up until Monday were still being mentioned were range from sort of 40, 45 through to 60. And, and to give... Fabrizio Romano, the credit was only on yesterday that that, that it, he got more concrete information on the thirty-five million pound clause, which has obviously um, made the deal very attractive for Liverpool. Cool. But you know what? It's it's interesting, Paul, isn't it? When you, when you listen to how, how it works out, you know, and how a deal is is brokered, like you you look. And it's you've got all the add-ons, haven't you? So these sort of set figures, where they sort of say it's thirty-five, there's release clause. There'd be bound to be other add-ons to that, surely. Do you know what? And I'm not, I'm not too sure in this case. I don't know if there is is further add-ons. To be honest, I know there's um, there's been some some sort of noise around that it could reach 55 that's not my understanding i think this is it's just a, um you know it, it, it's just a, a what you know the initial payment is the is the payment the fee is the fee i think in this situation it's slightly everybody's sort of saying oh it's a steal for liverpool and they've done really well and, and it's a bad deal for brighton but i think you've got to add the context of what was happening so the player um, 
the negotiations took part took place to extend his contract in in last October when he had nine months left on his deal to run. So I think his agent has been very clever in inserting in in insisting on the release clause that that makes him very attractive to a lot of clubs. And I think to give Brighton the credit, I think they realised that if they didn't sort of agree to the release clause, and that's not their typical type of business that they would do, there was a very real chance that he could have just run his contract down and then in nine months' time, they're, they're losing him for free, whereas they bought a player in 2019 from Argentinos Juniors for, I think, six, seven million. So they're making a healthy, you know, a good profit on the player and um, and Liverpool have got, you know, a good deal as well. So it, 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 I think it's, uh, in a way, given when negotiations began and on his extension with a player who had nine months left to go, it's still a good deal for Brighton, if that makes sense as well, because I think they were being very pragmatic in the negotiations and realising, well, you know, this player could walk away in nine months for nothing. Let's make sure we get something. And the, the fee that they've got is more than um, they got from Tottenham for Basuma a year ago. That was 25. So I think the agent has been very clever. Liverpool have been a beneficiary of that. Um, probably a lot because of Jurgen Klopp. And, and I think there was interest from other clubs in him. Um, we heard about Chelsea being interested, which would make sense given Pochettino's just gone in there and is, you know, fellow Argentine. But I think even without the Champions League qualification, which obviously was a big disappointment for everybody this season, it sort of shows that the, the lure of working with Jurgen Klopp still strong and players can see beyond one season out of the Champions League touch wood for, for everyone at Liverpool be open, that's the case. And that sort of um working with Klopp is someone who can take the careers forward. I think it's an important deal for, for Liverpool. A that it's got done very quickly, which is what Klopp always likes because he he wants the players in for um pre-season training straight away. But also the versatility of the player he can play as a number six, a number eight, a number ten. And the stats show that whichever role he does, he performs it very well. I think that gives Liverpool a lot of flexibility this coming season. Um, and I just think it's a, a really strong start to the summer. And the feedback from the supporters that you know I've been reading today is that everybody's really positive about the signing, which is obviously good. It's what you where you want it to be. And it, I think it'll give... Klopp a bit of a sort of Philip as well, a sort of, you could see the sort of glint in his eye returning towards the end of last season. I think he, he just get the impression he, he's de determined to sort of go again and try and build another great Liverpool team um, like like he had previously. And, and I think this is a, a key, key signing for the club. Paul, while you're on yeah. there, you know, we're talking about like, you know, new contracts and release clauses. Is there any chance that, that Canseido has got the same type of deal? Because he only signed his new contract, didn't he, in sort of at the end of January, beginning of February. I think it was after the, the transfer window closed. And if so, is there a chance that Liverpool might go, go in for him now that they've 
they've got Alexis McAllister. I've not I've not heard that there's a release clause in in his contract. Um, I think the interesting thing now would be from a Brighton perspective is moving forward. Will, will other players try and do this from now? Now that the the news of the release clause has come out, from what I've read, sort of um, they're looking for sort of seventy million for Casado. And you've got to appreciate I'm a bit divorced from what's going on at sort of Brighton. So this isn't speaking with absolute authority. But from, from a distance, it looks like they'll want a lot of money for Casado. I'm not aware that there's a release clause in his contract um, that that possibly could would have come out by now, maybe. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see on sort of future signings that they're obviously getting linked with a lot Liverpool are getting linked with a lot of players clocks on record as saying you know he wants midfielders um he also indicated that he wanted a defender as well um just prior to the end of the season so I think there's there's still you know strategic signings to come I don't think it's going to be a massive Rebuild, and I think six months ago, I think I was probably mistaken in thinking that that there would be, you know, a, a biggish turnover of player. I, I think the sort of the way Liverpool ended the season means that it's more strategic signings he's looking at rather than, for example, picking a number, you know six players coming in and, and, and something like that. I think it's more of a, I think it was Jordan Henson actually who, who pulled up um, a question on Liverpool's rebuild and he questioned the word rebuild. You know, a rebuild suggests it, it's um, quite wide ranging, whereas I think it's going to be carefully selected a handful of maybe key signings that, that will making an immediate impact. And that's obviously McAllister, given his experience in the Premier League and, and what he's been doing for Brighton. And there may be some, maybe younger players come as well, who who can, you know, evolve and, and maybe come into the team at, at certain times and in the future. Because you, you have to remember that's... Sometimes that's Klopp's way, isn't it? Going back to Fabinho, when, when he came in, he, he didn't play much for the first six months. It was spent learning how the team, the style of the team and what what he needed to do in his particular position. So I don't think they'll go away totally from, from that model. Um, and, and we saw at the end of the season that, you know, we have to remember that Liverpool have got good players as well. I mean, we, be, be, because of the ups and downs of the last campaign, you know, there's a, a tendency to sort of disregard players, isn't there, during periods when results aren't going well, but th- there's still an awful lot of talent in the, you know, in in the first team squad. And, and I think it's just going to be topping up that that talent and with, with some key, key, key signings. Oh, you mentioned you, you, you're not really... Not really on on the level with Brighton or, or the Southern team, but I think you've got to hand it to them. They've got a great recruitment uh, officer yeah. or whatever you want to call. And I'm just thinking, 
do you know much about our new sporting director, the German guy? Is, do you reckon he'll he'll be able to pull a few, um, you know, a few irons out the fire and get some? De- I mean, he, he seems to have done well if, if he is involved in the McAllister, but there's a couple of lads um, that's being talked about, um, Taram um, and Kone, and I'm just wondering if he'll be able to maybe entice, like you say, some young legs into the midfield. Yeah, well, I think he's in charge now. I think the McAllister deal was sort of um, a lot of the groundwork for that and the execution of that was done by Julian Ward just purely because of the timing. Uh, and George Shamadkar, I think, is that how we're saying it, um, is now in charge of the, the transfers moving forward for the rest of the summer. Um, he's somebody who's come in on a, what is essentially a short-term contract to to ensure everything goes smoothly in in the rest of this window. I think it's it's natural that there's been some links with Bundesliga players and in defence and midfield. Um, he was sporting director at Wolfsburg until January and then he then he edged into he moved into retirement and and obviously the chance to work with with Klopp was enough to entice him out of that. I don't. I don't know too much about him because he's he's um, he obviously wasn't a sort of name that was on everybody's radar prior prior to I think it was the Telegraph Sport and uh, did the story saying that he was coming on the the night of the Brentford game. Um, but I think he'll obviously work closely with with Klopp and and their knowledge of the. Of the Bundesliga means that the, the, I'm sure certain players will come under um, scrutiny now. I think the interesting thing as well is a lot of the. So if you look at sort of Turam, Kone, Lavia, um, who's at Gravenberch, um, obviously he's at, at Bayern Munich as well. Those are all players who are playing, who are due to play in the European Under Twenty One Championships this summer in Georgia and Romania, which starts in the uh, I think it starts in a fortnight. So it'll be interesting to see if um, progress is is made with any of those players in the next couple of weeks, or whether if if they are going to go for those ones, or whether they have to wait a bit longer until that tor- tournament finishes. So. Um, I think McAllister was obviously the priority. There was a lot of talk about Mason Mount. Um, and I think Liverpool do like him and, and did like him. But I think they thought the price, the certainty of the deal as well, because of the release clause. I think when they dropped out of, of Bellingham one of the, one of the, in April, one of the things that Klopp spoke about was he wanted, they almost wanted guarantees of what would happen at the start of the summer. And I think the rele- being able to trigger a release clause um, brought that sort of um, clarity to what might happen. Whereas the Mason Mount one is going to be a lot more expensive, and and there's the potential for that to drag on a bit because Chelsea at the moment are saying they still are still want around seventy million for a player who's got twelve months left on his contract and. You would see Manchester United prioritising that deal now, and um, you know the recent reports were that they were going to bid fifty million. So that, as you can see, there's a a big disparity there between 
between the clubs. So, um, yeah, I think the McAllister one made sense on a on a lot of um, levels. Paul, it's like when you look. Yeah, sorry, Les. Well, I think when you look when you were talking about Saram and you look and you're talking about Kone, they're two players that you probably, in comparison, will probably get for the price of a Mason Mount. When you look with what we've got, what we've actually paid for McAllister, you're getting you're getting an awful lot of quality players for the price of one player, like of a Bellingham or of a or of a Mason Mount or a Declan Rice. So it makes better sense really to be looking at them type of players, doesn't it? Well, I think that was the strategy, wasn't it, earlier in the the sort of if we if we rewind a couple of months ago um there was a period where you know it looked like liverpool were were sort of front runners for for bellingham and then i think the reasoning that the that that the that Klopp gave in that press conference on the friday for not um pursuing that was that you know putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, wasn't really what Liverpool needed at that time. And Bellingham's going to Real Madrid for £88 million initially. To go back to the point you made earlier about um, add-ons, there's certainly add-ons in that deal, which probably could take it to around £115 million, which will be based on sort of trophies and appearances and success, the success that he has there. So, yeah, I think it was a conscious decision by Liverpool to... Rather than um, just splurge on on one player with a with a high transfer value to try and get two or three players um, that can make the squad deeper and more rounded and maybe a bit a bit youthful, and I still I still think they'll spend spend heavily this this summer. I know. Um, the McAllister fee is a lot less than everybody was thinking, you know, even three, you know, even you know, seventy-two hours ago. But I do, I do think Liverpool will still spend quite a lot in the in this window. Um, but it's not just it; it's not about levels of spending, is it? It's about spending the money on the right player, and um, I think we've seen that is the policy from Klopp and, and FSG previous in previous windows. And by and large, you know, it, it's worked for them, hasn't it? it? That that sort of approach has paid a lot of dividends. Oh, can I just sort of ask, you know, and, and this is what some fans I don't think understand about transfer fees, is that when the fan sees, like, just say like today where Liverpool have, have signed Alexis McAllister for, for, say, 35 million, it isn't just 35 million, though, is it, that the, that's the cost? Because there's agent fees on top of that as well, isn't there? And sometimes the agent fees are, are undisclosed, like, you know, within the, in the Haaland deal, for example, at Manchester City. Well, we don't know how much the agent fees are, you know, in negotiating Jude Bellingham's deal, you know, from Dortmund to Real Madrid. So that's another thing that the club sometimes have to take into account, isn't it, when they're deciding whether to, to go ahead with one deal or sort of think, no, we're going to move away from that because of the, the total cost, really. Yeah, that, that's right. That's a good point. And, and also, the, you know, the other biggest cost is, is wages. 
and and that that has to be factored in as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, the the total package is is always a lot more than um, um, the headline figure of the transfer fee, and yeah, and and the will. You know, take, if you take Haaland as an example, last year there was, you know, there was no way that Liverpool were, were ever going to get in, involved in in the bidding for that deal just because of the the agents fees, as, as you point out, and then also the wages. So the, the the sort of you know the cost of that one was astronomical. It was probably only a a couple of clubs in the world could could afford that that type of money, and um, Liverpool probably have to, I'd say, work harder. But you know, certain avenues are open to Liverpool, are they? That's what that's what Klopp said last season. I think he said, you know, we can't compete at one point around the time that that it came out that FSG were looking for investment. Actually, so I think he's aware of the sort of restrictions or, or the limitations that that he sometimes has to no not not restrictions or limitations they're, they're not the right words the the sort of um i think he's fully aware of how liverpool work and do their business and i think he that's why i think he'd be so pleased with the the recruitment of McAllister for the deal it for the the way that the deal has been done it's interesting on that one because you took you you mentioned agents then Les McAllister's agent is um or the person who, who did the deal with with him is um is an agent called Juan Gemelli and he was involved in bringing Philippe Coutinho to Liverpool in January 2013 from Inter Milan so you know we're talking about a decade between two transfers but it's all the relationship building and um, you know networking that that goes on behind the scenes that um, might not pay d- dividends for you know a couple of years, but has certainly probably had a role in in Liverpool. You know, coming out on top in the, this transfer because there was other Premier League clubs interested in him. Paul, can I just follow on for that question just a little bit? Just, just while we're on, just to get people you know, who might listen to podcasts a little bit more aware of how, not just on transfers, but say contract renewals as well, because, you know, there's a few times where Liverpool have come out and said that, you know, they hadn't, the majority of the money at this particular summer had been spent on transfer renewals. But again, isn't it? I think, I don't think some people understand that, that when you're doing a transfer renewal, am I right in thinking, again, there's agent fees to pay and possibly even, a signing on another signing on fee for the player concerned. So the only thing that's missing really is you're not paying a fee to the club again. Yeah, there'll definitely be agents' fees in renewals of contracts. My own view is that they shouldn't be huge because the player's already at the club. So um you know the there shouldn't be a big financial burden in terms of agents fees, but the, in contract renewals, but, you know, we're, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of pounds a week sometimes, or, you know, and if you're renewing six or seven players on higher wages each, 
each transfer window or each summer, for example, then that you can quickly see how the cost mounts and you know they are like mini transfers in in a, in a way um i think there was a you know a few years ago there was a about half a dozen of the first team um extended contracts and that was basically the equivalent to to liverpool setting aside another 100 million pounds so the you know they they're not um you know certainly in this modern age of of sort of football and wages that they're not it's not cheap to extend contracts so I think you are right on that yeah Tom you wanted to ask questions yeah uh, just where where are we up to uh, Paul on the with FSG with the investment uh, it's a good it's a good question um uh, the honest answer is I've not heard anything on it for a couple of months now really um obviously i don't think they're looking for a total sale now i think john henry made that clear um so i think there was a sort of formalization of a process which which had already been taking place that they were interested in sort of minority shareholders coming on board or minority investments into the or, or investment into the club. Um, but it feels like it's gone sort of quiet on that front, really. Um, this summer spending was always going to be independent of that. Um, it, it, it wasn't going to be... Um, sort of framed by how whether the investment was circle was whether investment was forthcoming into the club they'd already set aside um money because they realized that the squad needed to be improved so from that point of view um there's not been an I don't feel like there's been an urgency on their part or oh, we must get new investment in or else we can't do what we need to do with the squad. I think they felt that that um, the they've made that they were going to always going to make the money available this summer to to um, improve things. And I think that the story sort of was broken last November about sort of them looking, you know, the the sales brochure going round and stuff like that. And I think a little bit of that was just simply a fishing expedition on the back of what had happened with Chelsea and Todd Bowley earlier that summer um just to see what there was in the way of interest and and they'll still be talking to two firms about about you know coming on board but i've not heard anything's close or or any names you know i'll be honest there's no point me saying anything else there's it's, it's gone quite quiet on that front do you think just I mean, anyway. sorry? Do you, just coming back to that, Paul said. Do you think that's in FSG's interest at the minute, though, for it to make it all go quiet, just in case that if they did announce any time during the next sort of couple of months while the transfer window's open, that they had got investment worth so many hundred million pounds, that all of a sudden any club? Yeah, I know. I know. I know what you mean, but I just think. I think it'd be more 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. I know what you mean that they want to keep it secret because then other clubs will hike up price tags and stuff like that. My own feeling is it's it'd be it's more complicated than that, and and um, I don't think they would be hiding investment just to um, just to try and gain the upper hand in the market now. Um, yeah, that, that's what I'd say on that, really. But it, it's um, it's a way the way that the jobs change really over over. Um, you know, I started in nineteen ninety five, and, and it, it, you know, takeovers and and investment in clubs, and you look at the Man United situation at the moment, and and stuff like that. That that's one of the ways that. Um, the jobs changed in terms of, you know, having to sort of know a bit more financial stuff than you probably needed two years ago. And, it, 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 you know, some people will have better contacts in that field than, than others and, and it's easier for them to get in, get any informa- information. But I think if you look across the sort of spectrum at the moment, it, it seems to have gone... I can't remember when the last story was out about sort of investment. Thanks, Paul. Uh, that answers that one. It's it just it's just something to come into the head about. You know that it. You know if you if you suddenly come into loads of money, then people suddenly shove the prices up. But yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. The you know the, the uh, you know deals with. Yeah, listen, of- you're talking about you're talking about potentially, you know multi-million pound deals i think a lot of that information's sensitive if 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 things are going on i'll be honest it, it you know it's hard enough getting information on on some things without you know it's just you know it's just difficult sometimes to get information and and i think you know i'm not what i don't want to do is come on and and say that oh this is going on and that's going on. I'll be honest, I don't really know where the investment really is is up to, but it, it has seemed to have. I'm sure there's work going on behind the scenes, but um, that's been the case for a number of years. Brilliant, Paul. So no I'd like I'd like to thank you for coming on tonight, Paul. It's really no good to give up your your time to talk to. No, well, listen, I don't. I don't really. Because what will happen is that all the aggregators will take one line from this and, and put it out. But because you've helped me out in the in the past, Les, with a lot of things, I wanted to be respectful to you and, and come on and give you some time. So if, um, if anybody says, Paul Joyce said on the Red Poets, Liverpool are signing this, ignore it because I've not said <laughs> anything other than... You know, I've, tried to give a bit of, I've tried to give a bit of insight into into how the job and how it's changed and, and um you know the McAllister deal because that's what we're on top of. Um you know it's still a still a really interesting club to cover Liverpool. There's always something happening. Um you know when you you know what what just maybe if I ask you a question then what are your the three of you question what are your sort of thoughts for the coming season are you 
optimistic about things now? You know, do, do you think, you know, as Liverpool supporters, how, how do you think see things? Are you worried about Manchester City sort of dominant? So no. I think Klopp will no, sort of steer. Yeah. Not, Tom, not at yeah. all, Paul. I feel I feel yeah. more confident. Halfway through the halfway through the season, me and Peter Andres were sitting through halfway through the season, and you were sort of saying, "Well, you can't wait for this season to finish really quick enough." It had been one of them sort of fractured seasons where yeah. you know the World Cup had come in, and like it was, we started yeah. badly and everything, but now. With with Trent moving to midfield, Curtis, the former Curtis Jones, Bichetic, the emergence of Bichetic, I think with McAllister, who, who I've all, the lads will tell you, I've been raving about McAllister for, for ages. He was the one player I wanted Liverpool to sign amongst, amongst anyone. I think he, as I said to the boys yeah. before, he will be the player that Naby Keita should have been. He's got everything yeah. to his game, this lad. He's, he's literally, and under Jürgen Klopp, he will thrive. I think two other players will come in. I think, I, I, I don't know why, it's just a good feeling. I think I think with, with what we were saying before about, about when, you know, Liverpool bring players in under the radar. It happened with, with as you said, Fabinho. It happened with Jota. But overall, names are thrown into a hat where FSG are concerned. This is my opinion, not Paul Joyce. This is my, yeah, my yeah. opinion. But I think, play, I think generally with FSG, there's enough leaks over the, over the period to say that these players come in and you get the good feeling that Saram and Coney will end up here, I think. And I think, I think if that's the case, I think Liverpool will challenge next season. There's a big statement, but I think Liverpool yeah. challenge Manchester City. Don't know what Peter I'm, thinks. I'm always glass half full. And, you know, like, like Tom was saying, midway through the season, we were like, oh, let's just get this done and dusted. But if you look at the last eight to ten games, we played some fantastic football. And like you said, we, midfield does need strengthening, especially with the people who are leaving. We know who's leaving yeah. straight away. So, yeah, that is a, that is a play. And I think if... I think we all agree, the three of us, if we can address that midfield and get that engine room, as everyone likes to call it, working spot yeah. on, I think up front and defensively, um, I, I think we're OK. I mean, people say, oh, Van Dijk's knocking on for his age and Matip and this, that and the other. They may bring a defender in, but we've still got this kid. I keep mentioning this kid that we got from Aberdeen and we've not seen him because of injury and he must be highly thought of. So I'm quite confident. Um, I mean, Man City and Man City, they'll spend money like a drunken yeah. sailor on leave. You don't know who they're going to buy and how much they're going to pay. But I think, like Tom, we can certainly get back to challenging City for the league and and, and the domestics. Yeah, I think one of the things that we that we that we should have sort of mentioned about McAllister as well is that his appearance records very very good. And when you look at the sort of problems Liverpool have had in midfield, a lot of it isn't about a lack of talent. It's been about availability, hasn't it? And I think McAllister's numbers are, he, he's been available for sort of 87% of Brighton's games yeah. this season, which when you consider, um, you know, he won a World Cup in that season as well, shows how sort of durable he is. And I think that will be, that will have been another of the attractions of him. My, my, view is, my view is that 
you know, like the other lads said, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I think we need to sign a couple more midfield players with, with, with power and pace to complement what we've already got. Because the one thing that I thought we were missing um, last season was legs in midfield. And even, you know, I mean, I've spoke many a time on the pod since we started a few months ago about, you know, Fabinho's legs seem to have gone. But if you can get, you know, players with legs around him, then that might that might get him back to somewhere near his best and also mm. protect the defence. Because once teams come in at us, he went through the midfield and the, the defence was getting exposed like it had never been exposed before. So if we get if we get the signings right over the next couple of months and hopefully get them all in before we, we go to our training camp in Germany. And this time, you know, it looks as though they've got the plans that they've set out are better than, than last year. Then yeah, I'm 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 with the lads. I think we'll we'll we should definitely sort of get our place back amongst the elite in the Champions League. And hopefully if we can have a good start and the fixtures are kind to us, then maybe we'll be able to challenge City again. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's reconvene in early September and we can review the last the rest of the transfer window and see if see if everybody's happy with with what what's been done then. But no, I, it's good good to speak to you, Tom and Peter and Les. If you need anything, just let me know. Yeah, All right. we'll, thank we'll you, Paul. Thanks very much. Take mate. care, everyone. Take see care. you. Bye. Bye. Hello, Neil. Right, we're now joined by by another one of the local journalists, Neil Jones, another brilliant local journalist on the on the football patch to talk about, you know, the transfer window. And we'll start, Neil, by asking you about what's your views on Alexis McAllister. Yeah, cheers for having me. First of all, guys, I'm just listening to the back end of uh, of JC there, obviously. I'll do well to do uh, give you any better insight than he does, but I'll give I'll do my best. Um, yeah, I think McAllister's an excellent signing. I really do. I think we knew this was going to be a big window for Liverpool. It needs to be a big window, doesn't it? And I think if you're looking at, you know, if you take Bellingham out of the sort of equation, I don't think you could have started it much better than by getting someone in there, you know, nominated for Player of the Year, a World Cup winner. And I think as well, just someone who, to me, he looks like he, not only does he go straight into Liverpool's team, but he looks like he goes straight into Liverpool's sort of way as well. You know, he looks like he, he just fits character-wise and personality-wise as well as player-wise. So I've just, funny enough, I spoke to an ex-teammate of his earlier today from, from Brighton and I was just asking about what type of player he was and what type of lad he was and just not, nothing nothing negative whatsoever. You know, the, the phrase that was used to me was was basically that if your team got beat 5-0, he'd be the one that you'd trust to, to go and speak to the media and, and, and sort of, come across properly you know he said he's just got that way about him where everything he does is proper you know he's, he's a proper professional he trains properly he, he, he lives his life right and he's a very much a team player so I'm, I'm very excited about McAllister I think look, never mind the money thing I think the money thing's a, a, a big bonus isn't it in terms of the, the, the fee but I think in terms of a player and a sign and I think it's an excellent one for Liverpool Brilliant Tom do you want to ask anything <laughs> No, just I'm more or less I, I agree with what Neil says about McAllister. I think I think a World Cup when a lad who wins a World Cup, the lad, you know, not just that he's just everything about his game. He's just an intelligent footballer. And I remember I've said to to the lads when when he played for Brighton at Anfield, that was when I first got onto. I thought this this fella is something special. 
they bullied, bullied up on Thiago. Didn't give him a, a kick. And he just kept coming up, taking the ball and just driving forward. He was just, he was tremendous through the game. I just, Sussard scored that asset that game. And, and I think, but he was the player to me. It was all about him. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant that day. I said, I said, I said I'd, I'd love Liverpool to get him. And all the way through, even with Bellingham, I always felt that he would be more suited. I think he's, I think he's going to be a great signing. Yeah, I think so. I'm talking, you know, you just mentioned Jude Bellingham again. <clears throat> um, I just think if we had a, splashed all that money and, you know, it's some young shoulders to carry a burden there. And it's not just one player the midfield needs. We all know because of the, the passes that are going that we, we need more than one player then. But uh, I'd just like to remind you that Bernard Diamid was a World Cup winner as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. That's the point that's on the downer piece. Oh, don't talk to me. I'm about to leave the podcast. I'm just stating the fact. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I... Obviously, his name was getting bandied about, you know, before the World Cup and certainly during the World Cup and he was a player I always watched. And I think, like you say, he can play so many varied roles. He's not just stuck, you know, in midfield in one place. He can play a holding role, a linking role. He may not be like an out-and-out goal scorer, but he's certainly a creator. And as I say, if we can get one or two more and combine with the lads who, who are staying at the club, I think, I think it's it's positive for next season, to be honest. How how busy do you expect us to be, Neil, over the next sort of few weeks and months? Well, I think you mentioned a couple of times there about the players who are leaving. I think I think you have to look at that as a barometer, really. The four players that have left without you know have already left, never mind who they, they might choose to sell. I think you got you're gonna to have to replace them in terms of numbers in the squad. You know, you 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 you're left short in some areas, aren't you? Uh I would have said at the start of the window, I'd have said four minimum would be the, the sort of amount of players that I'd be looking to bring in if I was Liverpool, whether that was two midfielders, a defender, a forward, or three midfielders, a defender. That might, you know, you can you can debate that. But I think just in terms of the, the volume of players, I think, you know, I think Liverpool still have got a fair bit of business to do. I think there's I think there's a, a lot of there's less gaps. Than, than, than we might have thought in January. You know, I think in January we'd have said eleven signings probably would have been the the, the, the minimum. But I think there's there's definitely still some big gaps in in that in that team, and and there's probably a little bit of forward planning that needs to be done as well because I think, you know, for all the, you know, you can't just change everything in one window. But there are some players that you're looking at and saying, well, what's it going to look like in twelve months' time with Thiago, for example, Joel Matip. Fabinho potentially, Jordan Henderson. You know that, that's that's sort of some players who played an awful lot of games for Liverpool in the last couple of years. Who you, you don't want to be leaving that for twelve months down the line, where you're sort of having to replace four more. You know you you'd like to sort of get some bits in place as well. So I I'd like to think Liverpool will get some sort of younger players in. McAllister's a good start, and we'll see. Hopefully, I, I would say at least at least one more midfielder, probably two, and I'd like to see a defender come in as well. Maybe. Me, do you know the player I'd like? Not the player I'd like, but the type of player I'd like, and I think would be a great signing for Liverpool is someone like Nathan Ake, who's gone to Manchester City. Someone who can play a couple of positions in the in the defence that you can sort of plug him into certain games and have him. If you want to be a bit more solid, you can play him as a left back. If you want to, if you want to sort of you know play him as a centre back, you can. I just think I think someone who's a bit versatile at the back might just be absolutely uh, vital when you've got 
for example, Trent step into midfield, or you've got Robertson if you want to let him, you know, give him a rest or that kind of thing. So yeah, I think I think I think there's still plenty more to come from Liverpool this window. So for for people our age, then what what you're looking at, Neil, is uh, a new the new newer version of Steve Nichol. Yeah, yeah. Play everywhere. What an underrated player he was, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and, and you can you can compare, you know. You could compare uh, uh, Alexis McAllister to a Ronnie Whelan, couldn't you? You know, someone who you can sort of plug into various midfield positions as well. It's a different world, obviously, in terms of the formations and that kind of thing. But I think that versatility is is never a never a bad thing. You know, and Liverpool had some very good players in in the last few years, even with that. I mean, if you think of Sadio Mane playing different positions in the forward line, you think of Genie Wijnaldum played pretty much everywhere, didn't he? You know, he played centre half, centre forward, centre mid. Um, yeah, I, I think maybe maybe that's what's missing. You know, just just that the uh, someone capable of maybe playing both fullback positions or playing centre back on one of the fullbacks. I think that would be a big big um, boost for the squad. Can, can, can I ask you as well? I mean, we've had this debate on the pod, you know, for the last couple of months from time to time. Where do you see Harvey Elliott fitting into the? Because I think I actually think my own view is, and Tom disagrees with me to a degree, that I think he's a. He's a square peg in the round hole. I don't think he fits how Liverpool want to play. But if you put him in, say, the Manchester City team or you put him in the Barcelona team that had the likes of, you know, Xavi and Iniesta and people like that, then because they're, they're always looking after the ball and the, you know, they've got the ball for the majority of the game, you know, he'd stand out in that type of environment and then people would say, you know, why did we sell him? But I don't know where he actually fits. I don't think he's quick enough to play up front I don't think he's got the game intelligence at the minute, or he or he fits in midfield either. So I just don't see where he fits. What's your view, Neil? Yeah, I think I think you've got to temper it with the fact that he's so young still, isn't he? You know, he's one of those players that because he's obviously had three or four seasons. He, he he's only he's, I think he's only twenty, only 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 recently twenty as well. So really young player, played a lot of football. But I, I agree with you in terms of position. I still don't know where you know if you were doing the old. Um, Champ manager sort of thing, and you, you were doing his position. I don't know what you'd sort of write it down as. I mean, he came as a as a right winger, then you know, the right midfielder. He's never going to play right midfield for Liverpool or right wing for Liverpool because Salah plays there, and he's just he isn't the same as Salah is. He's not. He can't do the things that Salah can do. I think maybe if you've got that midfield now that, that we saw in the latter stages of the season, where you've got two sort of deeper ones and two further forward, I think you can see that. And you know. I, just as a little example, I know it was a nothing game, but he came off the bench against Southampton on the last day of the season. I think you saw a real, a real bit of quality about him in the, in the way that he links with, with people and he he plays. You know, he, he he's got he's got more precision, I think, in, than, than some of the midfielders that Liverpool have had in terms of the way you know the weight of his pass and the sort of the things that he can do. There was a moment early in the season that was um, who did he play in the League Cup derby, wasn't it? In the League Cup. And Anfield just before the World Cup, and he came on in a very young side, and he really looked like a senior player. He came on; it was like it was like sort of a switch had been flicked, and Liverpool sort of started playing properly. So I do think he's got something to offer, but I think he's probably been swallowed up a little bit by the, all the problems this season. That you know, it, it, it was breaking down from the front, it was breaking down from the back, and he was sort of left in that middle, playing every week, playing a lot of games at a young age, and really getting you know exposed a little bit physically, wasn't he, and a little bit in terms of his energy, but. I wouldn't give up on him as a, as a Liverpool player. I think he's still got something to offer, but I think he might just be one of those players that probably got too much exposure or, or has to do too much last season and maybe just needs needs a little bit more of a, a, a selective 
um, selection, if you like, you know, so he plays certain games at home or he plays against certain opposition. He comes on in certain games as opposed to being, you know, one of the main sort of starters for the whole season. I think Klopp uh, thinks a lot of him, uh, Neil, because I'm just looking, he he, 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 he was in 46, he was 46 appearances he made last season. So Klopp thinks yeah. a lot of the lad, doesn't he? Yeah, like he does said, that. He's finding that niche, I think. He's just finding that, you know, that spot that he can call his own. He's, he's played right, left, you know, centre. And there have been games yeah. that he's come on and you can see there's a spark there. But I sort of tend to agree a little bit with Les and the fact that he sometimes looks like a kid in a man's team as well. He can be bullied a bit, you know. But, yeah, he can. I think he's improved a lot in that, in that sense. Yeah. And obviously, he went on he went on loan to the championship, didn't he? And and, and did well at, at Blackburn, albeit in a, in a strange season with with no fans and the you know the pandemic season. But he's he's definitely he's definitely done as much as he can, I think, to sort of make himself a Liverpool player. And you can see the attitude in him. I think he's first class. You know, he always, you know. I don't think he ever leaves anything on the pitch. You know, you can see how much it means to play for Liverpool and how much he 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 wants to be a success. So I think that will that will definitely benefit him. Um, in there, he's gonna have it. He's gonna have it tough. You know, listen, we're talking about Liverpool buying two, three midfielders. Him, Curtis Jones, Stefan Bajetic when he comes back from injury, they're gonna have challenges on their hands. But so they should. You know, that that's that's how mm-hmm. it should be, shouldn't it? It shouldn't. The path shouldn't be clear for players. You should have to. You should have to reach a, a a really big level to get into the Liverpool side. I think. I think he's capable of playing games for Liverpool in the future. Um, it might be that you see that the, the team evolve a little bit, and 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 you know you might see a little bit of a different type of Liverpool next season, as we say with Trent coming into that hybrid role or whatever and you see people like McAllister I could imagine you know for example I could imagine Elliot McAllister people like that would actually I'd imagine they'd have a good relationship in terms of short passes and little one touch and one twos and that kind of thing so there's there's opportunities for these younger lads but as I say you know it's just another hurdle for them to get over isn't it they've done brilliantly to get to where they've got to in terms of Curtis has played I think close to 100 games for Liverpool Harvey will be close to 60 I would imagine now probably with a bad little close to 100 had he not had the leg break um, so they've done brilliantly to get to this stage but that's what the, the challenge is now isn't it is to keep it up there and to make it turn 100 into 200 and 300 and not many players do that for Liverpool I, th- I think you, I think where we're Les sometimes is a bit harsh on him I, 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 I do understand I had this this conversation with, with, with one of my sons and, and my grandson and like they think like Les but I think everything today is in you know like in, in 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 the modern world everything you're either an instant success or you're an instant failure, and I, I think he's ni- he's nineteen. You you're right. I think he's only just turned twenty, and this is this is a kid who was thrown into a Liverpool side this season, where where you know an environment which we've never seen before, where like the midfield had literally aged overnight and fallen apart, and we're asking this little kid to come in and to show up and to do all the things that, that, that a senior, a 28 or a 29-year-old player should do. And I think, I think the difference with, with this lad is he will thrive at Liverpool. What he will do, he's an intelligent footballer for the start. I disagree with Les. I don't think he's slow. I don't think any, he's far from slow. I think, the, I think the problem for him, as what Les says, is... You've got to find a role for the lad. He, he, he doesn't have a defined role because he's neither one thing or the other. But I think Jürgen Klopp trusts him and I think your Jürgen 
Klopp will find a place for him to get the best out of him. And when he gets the best out of him, there's, there's a really good little player there. Whether he'll play, as you say, whether he'll be a first-team player, I don't know. He will get opportunities this season. But be, be, because there'll be a lot of to and fro in it. I don't think we'll be a settled midfield right away. I think there'll be players coming in and out until something is sorted out. But I, you know what? I expect them to do well this season, Harvey Elliott. And Curtis as well, who I thought was exceptional towards the, the, the end of last season. Neil, what do you think uh, of the, on the links to, to Coney and Terran? And the other lad who plays for Celta Vigo, is it Gabby Vega? Because yeah. I read where in the, um, I think it was at the local uh, Newcastle version of the Liverpool Echo, that their senior correspondent was saying that, that Newcastle were really interested in that Vega, but Liverpool were well ahead of them in the, in the race to sign him. So I just wondered if you there, Danny, on, on any of those three. Yeah, well, I'll start with Vega, if you want. I mean, I, I don't think Liverpool will sign Vega, Gabriel Vega this season. Just just from conversations I've had with people, he's all they're similar and different, these players, aren't they, in the sense of, I think you look at probably three players who, who, who are being primed for a big move this summer, aren't they? They've sort of had breakouts a couple of seasons at, at, at sort of mid-level clubs, Europa League-level clubs maybe, um, and a lot of people expect them to move on. I'm, I don't think Vega's the one for Liverpool. I think Liverpool wants something a little bit more guaranteed in terms of what what the type of player he is. He seems like a pretty attacking, attack-minded midfielder. He's a goal-scoring player. I think maybe Liverpool would want more of a, a versatile player, a more running, more of a runner, maybe someone who does the, the off-the-ball stuff a bit better. I think Kone, um, the obvious link there is with the, the new sporting director obviously being being a German guy and I think his son has just gone in as the sport director of Gladbach, which should make negotiations easy at least anyway over the over the dinner table. Um so I can see why that story would 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 have legs and have something in it. I, I haven't I wouldn't say I've had any encouragement on that from, from a Liverpool source, but Turam is the one I think is the most interesting one. If you think if you look at his profile, six foot four, but a footballer as well. I think he's been compared to some, you know, like to Pogba, for example, players like that who like a real Real mix of, of of strength and technique and and, and subtlety. Um, I think he's probably got a little bit of. People think he's got other levels to go to as well. Quite obvious levels that if you can get a bit of tactical sort of discipline into him, it would it would make a big big um deal. Obviously, a little bit like McAllister, you know, from a real footballing family as well. So you know, you get that character maybe in in those type of people who've been brought up around the game and maybe have that extra sort of sense of confidence and, and, and poise and things like that. You know, he's obviously, him and his brother are both, well, I think his brother's out of contract this summer, isn't he? I think he's going to go on the move. Um, so I think Taram, Taram's the most interesting, I would say, of the three in terms of a Liverpool point of view. Maybe Kone second and that's a vague in it as a sort of a, an unlikely, from my perspective. Um, obviously, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be 20 more midfielders linked in the, in the coming weeks. You know, we haven't we haven't started on grabbing Berk and Lavier and Mount and Gallagher and whoever else. Um, but yeah, those those two, I think, Kone and Saram seem to, they, there seem to be growing reports of those two, doesn't it, as a sort of um, potential target. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if one or, one or both, probably one or the other, was to arrive. Tom, you got anything? 
No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think I think we'll end up with two mid two midfielders in. I think I think I, what I was saying before. I think for the price that both of them are, Neil. I think you know you, you get. Well, I know like it's. It, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but you get the two of them for the price of Mason Mounts, really, which which for Liverpool makes more business sense. Yeah, I think as well. You know, you look at. Like McAllister's a, a a decent example of sort of how Liverpool work. Really, you can pull you can pull at some of the strings and and you'll get to the answer almost with Liverpool. Where you look at the players that they bought and they've been really successful with, you know, let, just just pull pull the string through from Juan Alden through to you know Luis Diaz and Gakpo in in you know, more recent examples. They tend to be sort of twenty three to twenty five. They tend to be sort of not at a top club, but at a club where that's, that's done well and is sort of, you know, upwardly mobile, if you like. It used to be Southampton, didn't it? A lot of players from Southampton, probably Brighton, have, have replaced that. But you look at Porto, you look at PSV Eindhoven, Wolves for Jota, uh, Leipzig for Canate, you know, players like that. Um, and they tend to have played around 175, 200 games in the career. You know, there tends to be a sort of common theme with it. And I, I looked at McAllister, 177 league games he's played in his career, so it's like right, okay, right in that hitting zone. I think if you look at Van Dijk, if you look at uh, Salah, you look at Mane, you look at Firmino, they will all you look, you won't be far off that sort of those kinds of markers that Liverpool look for in players. Okay, has he played in Europe? Okay, has he done that? Has he done that? Has he done that? And so when I get to some of these player names, that, that, that that's all my my sort of reflexes to look at how many games he played. Okay, where's he played? And so you see someone like, for example, Lavia. At Southampton, you think a forty million pound that would be an un, an un Liverpool sign, and in my opinion, that's one of them where you go, oh, that, that would be that would be Liverpool moving away from what they they generally do. You know, that'd be Liverpool taking a bit more of a gamble and, than they, than they've tended to do in recent years. Maybe Nunez is probably possibly one of the one of the an example of that, and you can you can pick the bones out of whether that was a good gamble or a bad gamble. Time will tell. But you look at Saram, you look at Kone. I think they're not far off that. Those kind of markers as well. So I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's um, it's interesting to see Liverpool start the summer the way they have with McAllister because it's very, it's very Liverpool. What how they've done it, you know, it's it's a player that they've waited. Okay, you could say, oh, why didn't you get him a year ago or whatever? But Liverpool have waited, decided he's the player that's, that's going to make a difference to them, and got it done. I mean, you know, thirty-five million pound, like I, uh, Tom said, you know, in terms of. If you're talking some of the figures that we've seen banded around for players who are not half the pedigree of McAllister, I think it's a it's a very good deal for Liverpool. Neil, just before I think we're getting towards the close, but just before we go, without naming names, players' names, what, what's like the mechanics of these transfers? Because we as fans, we read things that like, oh yeah, they've agreed, you know, in principle they've agreed um wages with a player and they've agreed this, that, and the other. So how does it work? Do the agents sort of counter with, the, with with their player if you want, or do Liverpool as a club have to approach the club first? You know, which yeah. way does the thing be? I think it's very agent driven. I think I think in the Premier League, especially, I think it's very agent driven. And I, I I don't know if you saw the reports today, but a lot of the reports will have made reference to Liverpool's relationship with Alexis McAllister's agent, who was um, mm. involved in the transfer of Coutinho in 2013 and I think he had a few Brazilian players but one of the players he had uh, was Alan who, who played for Everton um, 
with without great distinction during the Ancelotti era. But I think Liverpool have built the relationship almost through that those kind of things. So spending time, you know, the sporting director of Liverpool or the, the you know the the recruitment chief and the, the chief scout spending time at Liverpool uh, with, with sorry with the agents building that relationship and earning that trust. And then obviously when it comes to the thing of right, we need a midfielder, you can sort of make that pitch to, to him and you know sort of roughly what his, his wage is at Brighton or his wage estimate is going to be if he moves on. You know, obviously Liverpool clearly knew something that others didn't in terms of this release clause or release mechanism, if you want to call it. Um so I think I think a lot of it is sort of when we talk the, the old way used to be didn't it, you know, you put a bid in See if it gets accepted, and then you're going to discuss terms of the player. I think really it's 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 unspoken. Probably you know there'll be people who say it's not right, but unspoken is I don't think bids go in to players really unless you know that there's a chance that you're going to get them. I don't think you get. We don't think we live in a world where you can, you can have a bid accepted for the player, and the player says they've got no interest in coming to you. I think you'd already know by the time you you put the bid in. Yeah, because you know we see these things like. You know, you read on these sites and it says, like, to Ram and Coney have agreed terms with Liverpool. Now, they may have yeah. the principle, but then it's obviously then that's where the bartering starts with the clubs, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the key. To be honest, that is the, probably the key The key two parts of, of the deal, really, is, the, you know, getting the agents on side in terms of, you know, is the agent willing to bring the player to your club? send the player to your club but also the agreement between the clubs is the big one, isn't it? Of course, you know, it's, it's, it's the one that the the one that really has the propensity to break down a deal, and we saw it with, if you think back to Van Dyke, originally in that summer where it was, you know, oh he's going to come to, he's going to come to Liverpool, you know he's agreed he doesn't want to come to doesn't want to go to anyone else, and then all of a sudden it was like, but we haven't agreed the deal with Southampton, you know, sort of went a bit too too quickly on that, um, but those those are the those I mean there's a lot of hurdles obviously, but I think those are the two main ones, and I think a lot of the ground where when we talk about work being done behind the scenes with, with deals. I think a lot of it is sort of, you know, discussions with agents, getting a feel of look what what, what type of wages would he want? Okay. Who else is in the in the race? What type of fee do you think the club are gonna be asking for? You know, can, can we do it? Does he does he fancy working for this manager? Those sort of conversations that might not be they might not be sort of clock ringing up the player or, you know, sort of doing a zoom or whatever, but definitely sort of getting that kind of a uh, that kind of gauge of does he want to come to Liverpool? Yeah. Neil, can I just ask you quickly before we finish a little bit about the academy? Because I yeah. know you come the academy a lot and you know you watch a lot of the the academy in under 20, 23 or under 21 game, whatever. And I, I just wonder really that you know we spend a lot of a lot of time with with a lot of these young players. And now I know it's not always to bring them through you know to the first team, it's to make careers. But it's also to make money for the club. And I just wonder that, you know, if you look at the last, the sort of Liverpool side that played against, you know, say Aston Villa in that League Cup when we, we had to go away, right? Probably the the, 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 the ones who were looked at as the major stars there were, were Clarkson and Kane in midfield. Now it looks as though Kane's already gone, you know, Clarkson was on loan last, se- last season. And it looks as though that, you know, when the, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, we probably will get more than five million quid for them both. Is there something going wrong somewhere where we're not developing the sort of players to get decent fees for them anymore? Well, 
I dis I disagree to be honest. I mean, I, 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 yeah, no, I, I mean, I'll take you to the Shrewsbury game at Anfield. I, I have to know the team from that Shrewsbury game pretty much. So Quivian Keller was in goal, who's Liverpool's number two goalkeeper. Nico Williams played right back, who seventeen million pounds. Uh, Steph Vandenberg played, who's still at the club and been on loan in the Bundesliga. Kiana Hoover played centre back, who who has joined went to Wolves. I think he's now, uh, I think he's on loan at Stoke. Back end of the season, but Liverpool got a, a decent fee for Hoover. Clarkson, obviously, is probably yeah. You're right. He's not gonna. I don't. I, I don't think he was ever. I don't. I didn't ever view him as a star of, of of the academy. I thought he was a solid player, and you know, someone who did really well. But he'll probably go for about what he was, what I would have expected him to go. He'll go to an Aberdeen or a, you know a Championship club. But your Curtis Jones was captain. Obviously, he was in the Liverpool first team. I think Harvey Elliott played on the other side. Liam Miller played up front. Who's plays for Basel now in in, in the Swiss league. You know, so the, there's there's a there's a good few players. Rian, you know, we didn't even mention like Rian Brewster was 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 sold not so long ago for for good fees. I think Liverpool have generally been quite good at getting you know getting rid of not getting rid of but sort of fattening up some of the players who aren't good enough for the first team. Harry Wilson, another example, probably Shea Ojo. You know, they've been quite good at that. I think the challenge is is obviously is. You want loads of them, but you also want the Curtis Joneses and the Trent Alexander Arnolds as well. So you, probably the the question is who's going to be next, really, off off the, the academy thing. And I, I suppose you look at Bajetic as being that one, you know, given what he did. And I know he was signed in, but you look at they spent a little bit of money on people like Doak and Bobby Clark. Um, I think. I mean, I've got a, I've got a real a real sort of soft spot for Luke Chambers, who, who's a left back from the academy. I think he's I think he's a real real player. Um, he's had a he's great, great half season. Well, yeah, well, he exactly. Well, he could be that guy, couldn't he? That you know, I'm talking about that left sided player. He probably needs a year, maybe somewhere else, just to test himself again. But yeah, I think he's got the capability to have a future at Liverpool personally. But it's very difficult, isn't it? I thought the same about Ben Woodburn. I thought the same about Jordan Ive and, and people like that. So it is fraught with danger. But I think it's it. It's really tough sometimes, isn't it, the academy element? Because if you've got a really strong academy team, you sort of half you're half doing something wrong because they should be sort of filtered into the first team. But it's so difficult to get into Liverpool's first team that you sort of have to find these alternative pathways for players. And I think it's um, I think the fact that Liverpool have got two homegrown scouts lads in the in the first team at this moment in time, who are twenty what twenty four and under, is great. I think generally they've done all right with the other ones who've, who've fallen short. Uh, you know, I think Kelleher might be one of those players that gets sold for a decent fee in the, in the coming, if not this summer, maybe next summer. Um, there's probably a few others maybe as well who, who fall into that. Connor, Connor Bradley, for example, you know, could could be one of those that in a, in a couple of years' time you might see him go out. Um, but it is, it's my favourite part of covering Liverpool. To be honest, is, is going to the academy games and seeing these players. You know, I remember I remember seeing Curtis when he was fifteen, playing for the under 18s and he was so cocky. And he did, you know, he did the Rabonas and the back heels, and you thought, "Wow, who's this kid?" And when I used to hear people when he got into the first team, and people said, oh, "He looks like he lacks a bit of confidence to me," and I just used to laugh and say, "I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, mate. He doesn't, something he doesn't lack confidence. He thinks he's the best player on this pitch. Don't you worry." Um, but I love seeing that, and I, you know. It was exciting last year when you're watching Ben Doak at times, you know, on the on the back pitch at Kirby. You'd watch him and think, Jesus, this was this was a bit special. I remember seeing Bajetic playing centre back in one of his early games and just being amazed at how high he jumped and his, his aerial ability and thinking that's that's one to keep an eye on. You see, you know, 
Oakley Cannonier scoring forty odd goals in a season. You know, it's really it's 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 always been for me one of the favourite parts of the job, definitely. You know, and just keeping that out. And I I really hope we we do see a couple of these younger lads really establish themselves as Bychetis did last season. I hope the likes of maybe Chambers, Bobby Clark, people like that can can start to come through. I you missed you missed how KKD got there. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just on his way back. I know. You know what? That's another another great. That's a great point. And you know, don't think back to K Gordon. You know what? Fifteen months ago, he was scoring in the FA Cup, starting at, at Arsenal in the the the, um, the second leg of the the League Cup semi final when Liverpool were, you know, and they needed to win. Obviously, um, he's had rotten luck with injuries. You know, I'd love to see him in pre season get a you know get some game under his belt and show what he's about. I think he's only 18, 19, still real talent as well. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of. I think pre season will be very interesting with some of these younger players because you you always tend to see one or two, don't you? Sort of move ahead of the pack. Probably by Chetich was the man last season, wasn't he? But Kate Gordon was probably the man the year before. I remember obviously he hasn't really kicked on, but Billy Cometio did it a couple of couple of seasons prior to that, didn't he? Where you everyone was like, "Wow, who's this kid?" Um, I wonder who it'll be this this season. I mean, I remember seeing Luke Chambers make his first appearance for the under eighteens. He was in lockdown. Season he played the left back and didn't know who he was. And for that moment on, you know, I thought you can normally tell a player right? he had a good touch, he was confident, yeah. he had a bit of pace about him. And every time I've seen him since, he just seems to have got better and better and better. And I believe he's done well on his loan, hasn't he? Up in Scotland as well. Yeah, absolutely. He, he um, I mean, show a real show of his character, really. He got called up for the England under 20 World Cup squad. Um, which has obviously been going on recently. And he said basically to the Kilmarnock manager, he said, Look, I, I really want to go to it. He said, but I can't leave, you know, they, they were battling relegation from, from the Scottish Premiership. And I, I want to, I've come to do a job here, you know, and I, I've sort of, I'm committed now to this. So he, he, he said no to England to, to stay and, and look after his club. And, you know, it's a really bold move for a young lad. You know, that's a real potential big exposure, isn't it? If you go and, if you go and win that tournament or do well in that tournament. He stayed, and, and Kilmarnock obviously did avoid relegation. So, by all accounts, I speak to I speak to a couple of lads up in Scotland. I've got an uncle who lives up in Scotland and watches a bit of it. By all accounts, they were raving off him, yeah, and saying he's done done really well. So, good on him. Well, Neil, thanks very much for for joining us tonight and giving up your your free time to come on our podcast. We're quite a new podcast, so you know that you and the likes of Joey C will help us. You'll know, gain some followers and some listeners. So I really appreciate you giving up your time. And just one no thing to Neil. Um, I it always makes me laugh when you know when we're in um transfer window territory. I always remember that tweet you got when you tweeted me house is on fire and somebody tweeted back, if you had any transfer news, Neil. <laughs> 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 it's uh, it's one of those you know what I get I get sent that probably on average once a month by someone will send me a, just a screenshot of that it gets shared around on Twitter and stuff and it's what yeah it's one of those funny funny ones it was um it wasn't quite thankfully the the, the sort of the fire wasn't quite as dramatic as it's it, it might have been but uh, yeah that's probably sums up the madness of the transfer window that done it and people's desperation for uh, for info. Well, once again, Neil, thank you very much. So that's Thanks, the end. Neil. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. That's the end of the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. I hope you enjoyed this journalist special tonight. Once again, don't buy the sun. Justice for the 97.
and you'll never walk alone. 